So I'm going to talk to you about gumbo. Anybody's been in my house before realizes that's not probably a surprise to you. Gumbo is a big deal. But first, before we get to the gumbo, I want to talk about a scripture, John 16, 33. Jesus was talking to his disciples, great discourse of what was going on in their lives. And he told them, he goes, uh, I'm going to stop talking to you in figurative language and start talking to you literally from now on. For a long time, he spoke in parables. And the reason why he spoke in parables probably is not what you think, but that's a different sermon. He's like, I'm going to talk to you literally now, no longer figuratively. And this is what he came up with first. In this world, you will have tribulation, anguish, pain, and suffering. Period. But, or comma, maybe, I don't know. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I, I read that and I was wondering, couldn't he just take away the pain, the suffering, and the anguish? I mean, how does that really help me if he just says, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I'm like, thanks a lot, Jesus. Very helpful. He was talking to Peter one time in Luke and whenever Peter was in trouble, he called him Simon. He didn't call him Peter. Peter's the rock, Simon is his old man. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, I don't really know what sifting as wheat means for a person, but it doesn't sound too awesome. Sounds kind of painful, kind of sounds kind of, sounds kind of uncomfortable. But he says, but I've prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. Again, Jesus couldn't he just like, stop the sifting? He didn't. As, as a, as a, I've, been in, I've been part of the church for a really long time. Uh, yeah, since Father's Day 1992 in San Diego, California, I surrendered my whole mess to God and he graciously took it. A great trade. I totally got the best deal on that one. And the whole time I've been a Christian, life has been tough. This is not a depressing moment. This is not a depressing thing. And I'm just telling you, I'm just being real, right? Life has been challenging. And I'd like to say it gets easier as you get older. I'll be married 27 years in April. I'd like to say it got easier every year, but it really hasn't because the world's getting tougher and tougher. I'd like to say raising my children has become easier but it hasn't. So early on in my Christian life, we didn't actually have community groups. They were kind of frowned upon. And so we, you would go to church three times a week. Remember part of that? You go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And we didn't do community groups because you're already at the church three times a week, right? So when you're actually going to work. Uh, until I came here, honestly. Until I came here. And, you know, you, you, you raise kids and when your kids are young, the biggest problem, I better look at the clock because I'm sure I will go over. Okay, 10, 12, all right. When you raise kids, when you're little, the biggest problem is teething, which is, and any parent who's survived that realized that is a big problem. And what goes with it? The teething and then the diaper rashes and all that stuff that goes with it and you can't sleep. But then they get older and the problems escalate and they become more life-threatening or more serious than that. So one day, I'll just be totally transparent. One day you have your daughter outside in the backyard on her swing set singing, It's My Father's House by Audio Adrenaline, right? 
aging myself, that's okay. It's, you know, she's screaming at the top of her lungs. It's a big, big house. It's my father's house. And then fast forward 10 years, 15 years, and you get a call from the police. We have your daughter. And you just hold this stuff. And you, and you say, you know, God, God I, can, I can make it on my own. You're enough, God. And God is enough. But he didn't design us that way, to carry it all alone, right? And, and then, you, then, then you, uh, you read in Galatians where it says, bear burdens and so, fill, so fulfill the law of Christ. It's easy to hold on to our problems not easy for us, but easy to do because what? It can be embarrassing. Do you think I wanted to tell somebody that, yeah, my, I got a call from work, at work and my daughter was at the police station and then she got fingerprinted and mugshotted, right? Do you think that's something you really want to tell somebody else? No, but guess what? We need to bear. And sometimes it's not someone who's unwilling to bear the burden. It's us unwilling to unburden ourselves. And I was thinking about this, even Jesus, as he was walking with the cross, he was like doing, you know, he was going up this road and carrying his cross. And at what point he fell and they pulled out Simon the Cyrene and Simon carried the cross for Jesus. Now, theologically, I believe that God of the universe could easily empower Jesus and said, yeah, I don't, you're like Captain America and all tied together. We'll just infuse you with power and you can carry this cross over yourself. And, and I believe that. But even Jesus allowed somebody else into his life to carry his cross for him. Have you ever been to a position where you just, I can't pray anymore. I, I can't do this one more day. You're like David and Ziklag where you're all cried out. First Samuel 30, if you want to actually look it up. You're all cried out. You, you can't take one more step and you just can't see the end of the problem. And that's when all of a sudden you grab someone else's hand and say, I can't do this anymore. And guess what? They can. They can. They're, 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 not, they're not totally invested in the problem, but they can bear your burden for you and let you catch your breath. So we've been in groups, it was actually, we, we attended one group when they first moved here. And it, I'll be honest with you, my first day, I thought you guys are a bunch of crazy people. I was like, you guys are sharing some really personal stuff and I'm very uncomfortable right now. But I, you know, these people knew each other for a long time. It wasn't, they, that wasn't like a one day thing. The bridge has already been built or that relationship that could handle that. So I kind of observed, I observed and I watched and I said, oh, okay, this is kind of normal that I need, and, and honestly, during this time, Don and I were going through a family issue that we've only recently disclosed to people. The most painful situation that we've ever gone through. It's challenged our relationship. It's challenged our belief in faith. It's challenged, it's hit every area of our life. And just recently, we actually were able to feel comfortable enough to actually ask people to pray for us and actually tell them why. Because you know you can do the whole, you know, I have a silent prayer, God knows, just pray. Just shut up. We don't even want to know anymore. <laughs> what, whatever. You, you take yourself entirely too serious. 
but I wouldn't say anything for two or three years. I told no one of this issue that was going on in our family. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we've, we've started sharing this. And a couple of weeks ago, there's some signs of some movement in the right direction. During this time, Don's sister was, has been fighting cancer for almost 10 years, removed a lung, part of a lung. It's just been bad report after bad report, chemo, radiation, chemo, radiation, lost 40 or 50 pounds, looked like a Holocaust survivor. Two people from our group went to Michigan with us one weekend when I was ministering in a church. They met her and prayed with her because they knew about her. They heard her story at our, at our small group. And just two weeks ago, she had her very first clean bill of health report. And they said, you will never stop going through chemo. It's part of your life. But it was the first time that she didn't have actual active cancerous cells in her body. And I mean, there was times when Don would just wake up, just wake, wake up from a sound sleep. And the first thing was just cry because there's so much of the John 16, 33 in our lives where you just can't bear it all. We're not called to bear it all. We're not called to carry it all. We need to let somebody else in and allow them to pray for us. I, I, during, during these, we've led three groups in a row now. We've, we're part of one group. And I've met three moms who buried children. They know God in a way I don't know God. And when you go to them and ask them to pray, they have a different entrance to the throne room than what, what any of, most of us will ever have. Take the time and get to know them. It, it, I know we're all busy. I'm busy. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll suck my thumb publicly right here for a second, okay? <laughs> I leave my house every day at 5.15. I go home at 7.30 at night, every day. So we do our group on Sundays. And when they asked for people to lead groups this time, I, I was not interested at all. Because a 70-hour work week is challenging. And I'm exhausted most of the time and I'm old. So at nine o'clock, I turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> but guess what? It wasn't about me helping somebody else. It was about them helping me. Because if we wouldn't have opened up our home to do a group, we wouldn't have had people praying for us. We wouldn't have unburdened ourselves. We wouldn't have, you know, asked for help and reached out and, and, and strengthened each other. Gumbo, okay? I started with gumbo, right? I'm going to wrap this thing up. Gumbo. So, we eat a lot of food at my house, right? Food's a big deal. Gumbo's one of my favorite things to cook. And gumbo has a lot of specific ingredients in it that are very subtle. You know, everyone cooks with salt, right? Salt is just normal, normal food. But have you ever taken a spoonful of salt before? Do you ever say, that salt tasted awesome? But if it's missing in a dish, you notice it. Maybe you're the salty one. There's a couple salty people in this church, right? Just a couple. Celery. Do you think celery is like, people don't say celery is the best vegetable in the whole world. It's low calorie. It burns more calories than you digest it. it. I get it. But you don't like say, yeah, I'll have celery for dessert. Very few people, well, yeah, you throw some peanut butter in that thing, some cream cheese on it, and we have a conversation. But just celery by itself, but you put it together, with a bell pepper and some onion. Maybe you're the onion. You, we open you up and you make people cry. But you, we still need you. And the lowly bay leaf. Everyone hates the bay leaf. No one, it was like, I just had to have a bay leaf. 
Like people who cook, you know what I'm talking about right here. But if the bay leaf isn't there, all of a sudden you're like, you're, you're, you're eating the dish and you're like, something's missing. What, what, what's missing? Maybe it's Bob. Maybe Bob is missing. Maybe we need a Bob there today. You know? So don't think you're not important or needed or wanted. You are missed. We need you. You need us. It's symbiotic. Because there'll be a time when you need somebody else and there'll be a time when they need you. But if we're never around, if we're never around, we'll never, we'll never be able to do it. And it's difficult. It's very difficult to ask for help before you know somebody. You can do it and we'll, we'll rally. We will. But when you know some, here, here's the rule we have at our house. If you come to my house and you've eaten at my house, we're friends forever. We are, we are. And there's probably about 40 or 50 people in the church who have, who have actually eaten meals at my house. And so we're friends forever. You can't ever get rid of me. No matter how much I bother you, you just can't get rid of me. Y'all love Don. I know, well, Don, well, you love Don. But Tim, you know, we're having a little conversation there. But you're stuck with me. But I just want to encourage you, if, if, if you're involved in a, in a small group, engage just a little bit deeper this week. If you're not, we meet at five to seven at my house. Just come catch me. I promise you'll eat well. We won't drag stuff out of you. We won't make you say things you don't want to say. We won't make you uncomfortable. But we need you. You need us. And so I, I encourage you to, to engage in this. This is, this is where you roll your sleeves up and where church really happens. We can easily, we can easily you, have, you, you have things. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. When we know inside you're dead and you're dying and you're depressed and you're having problems. But you say, I'm fine because we're in church and we're supposed to say we're fine. Or you have the other extreme. You have moaning Myrtle that always has a problem. Like, oh my God, you're like, stay away from that person because everything's always wrong. But when we get together at a house and we like, you know, dip our hand together with some bread and all of a sudden you, you can't, you, you have to reveal some of the stuff eventually. Eventually, you can't hide it forever. You know, and you don't want to, but then you'll feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, I think I need your help. Or anybody in the, in the room, we pray for each other all the time. We do four things. We like, in the, in the book of Acts, we pray, we fellowship, we eat, and we doc, we'd use doctrine, right? Real simple. So that's it. I just want to encourage you to stay engaged if you are engaged. If you're not engaged, get engaged um, and, and become part of the family of God that way. Diana, you ready? I'm the worst at closing things down. It's so like abrupt stop. So. Thank you. I love Tim and Don Kaiser. I love them. And they're such a good example to me um, in so many ways. But um, when I watch how they serve the Lord, not in times when their lives are perfect, but when they choose to serve the Lord when it would be so much easier to step back and take a break. That is so encouraging to me, and I hope it is to all of you. All right. So I am here to talk to you just for a few minutes this morning about overcoming obstacles um, to entering into leadership roles within the church. And when it comes to obstacles, I feel like I'm a professional at legitimate obstacles, and then I also tend to make some up for my convenience. And... Uh, um, but there are a couple of ways that the Lord has been dealing with me over the, the past couple of years that I would just love to share with you. 
I am right now in my second year here at The Edge and being one of the junior high youth group leaders. And I just love these kids. And then recently, I just joined the church deacon team. And I am so excited about what the Lord is doing in both of these areas. But you guys, this was not my plan at all for the season of my life, at all. When I walked into the doors of the Edge Church a few years ago, I was coming out of a very long and difficult season of life that seemed to be following a previous long and difficult season and another one and another one. And, I, and when I came into this church, I was very clear with the Lord with a very well laid out plan of how this season was going to look. And so I, would, I told him, like, I'm going to go to this church and I'm going to show up consistently, but um, I'm not going to be invested. I'm not going to be committed. I'm not getting involved in a ministry. Um, I deserve some time to myself. And so this is the way it's going to look like, Lord. And then I was really clear too. I gave him some very specific ways how he could support me in my new, in my new plan. Uh, as you can see over the past couple of years, his plan was way different than mine. And I will say a thousand times better than mine. Um, and when I was thinking for this of how in the heck did I go from being so firmly rooted in my plan to, to being where I am right now. And I think it all started with so many of you in this church. Early on when I started coming here, I started to get invited to serving opportunities. And it was like little things, like um, sometimes it was like somebody's moving and we need extra hands, or um, can you show up to church a little bit early and help set something up? Um, we also have like so many church-wide things, like the whole church is invited to go to Feed My Starving Children or, or a Rebuild Aurora event. So many of those things. And I got invited by many, many of you. And I started um, developing connections. And I started really liking it. And what I didn't notice at the time, but it is so clear to me now, is that the Lord was using every one of those yeses to change my heart. And as he has done over and over and over again in my life, when I start going through these stubborn paths of like my own plan, he's so gentle and he's so loving the way he just kind of puts me back right where I'm supposed to be. And I, I love him for that and I'm so grateful for that. And I wish that was the end and I could walk off the stage and say, that's how I know how to serve the Lord and that's so not true. I struggle even knowing all that so much with stepping into leadership roles within the church. And a couple of years ago, um, we started talking here about the need for um, a ministry for our youth, for our junior high and high school students. And from the moment people started talking about it, I knew that I was supposed to be involved. I had a stirring that was so strong. I just knew that in some way I should be in that. And I didn't know for how long or, or what I was supposed to do, but I, I knew it. And you guys, I did not want to do it. That was not my plan. I didn't want to do it at all. And so I went to the Lord with round one of my obstacles. And um, like we all have when we're thinking about and praying about entering into something that's going to take time is, what are all those obstacles? Um, I'm tired. I'm old like Tim. I think I'm older than... No, he's older than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Uh, but I have other things going on, right? And so I bring all these things to the Lord. But I will tell you, 
that 100% of the time in my life, 100% of the time, when the Lord has called me into something, all of the logistics, he has already worked out. There have been times where I literally don't have the time to do something, and then something really weird happens, and suddenly I have the time. And do you know how many times I have fallen asleep right in the middle of serving God? Like never, that has never happened because when God calls me to do something, he gives me the energy to do it every single time. But specific to serving in the church in a leadership role, I have a second set of obstacles. That's like all me. And I would like to say I've mastered this, but I, I'm still working through it. Um, but when it comes to a leadership role where um, I'm out in the church and and people could look at me in a judgy way. I just feel like I'm not ready yet. And I'm not ready in so many different ways. And that's, I could talk to you all day about the ways I'm not ready. I don't know the word as much as I should. I didn't go to Bible college. I, um, when I look at my life from a sin perspective, I, I don't feel like my life represents Jesus the way it should in somebody in a leadership role. And I can go on and on and on and tell you all the ways that I'm not qualified, but there's something that the Lord has taught me. And I, I can't even say he's taught me. He's teaching me time and time again is that I'm not perfect. What? But he is. And I'm not worthy, but he is. And every single time that he calls me, and I believe this for every one of us, Every time the Lord calls us to do something, he does it in a way that's intended. He's going to equip us for it. He doesn't leave us out there ever. And for me, he equips me in certain ways. There have been times that I sit in a situation and in a moment, I just have wisdom for something that I didn't have five minutes before that. And that came from the Lord. And there are ways in this church, in this community, God equips me by surrounding me with so many people who are so strong in areas where I feel so, so weak. So I say all of that to say this as an encouragement to all of you. If God is calling you to a leadership role in the church and you're getting in your own way, I just want to encourage you to stop and to assure you that if he's calling you for something and he's stirring something in, inside of you, um, he has a plan behind it and that he can be trusted. And I just want to leave you with the question, um, is that you? Is God leading you? And, and would you be willing to trust him with your obstacles? And with that, um, I'm going to invite Dan Beckbar to come up, and he's going to lead us in communion. We get spoken into so often every day, every week, by coworkers, friends, not even knowing what they're doing. Um, we say phrases like a sinner saved by grace, which, which has a lot of truth and it sounds like a great thing. But the challenge that, that God is really stirring in me is to look at ourselves through the eyes that paid a very high price And so as we're going to get ready to take communion, um, I want you to wrestle with that idea. I think God has a lot for us in that that maybe I hadn't thought about. You know, how, how often do you just sit there and think of this in a very transactional way? 
You know, if, if you go to Best Buy and you want to buy a stereo, 100 bucks, 150 bucks, whatever that thing is, if you're cheap like me, it's 150 bucks, you know. Um, but our lives don't have that kind of made in Japan kind of price tag. It's through words, it's through actions. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to take communion. And ultimately what this is, it's a, it's, it's a reminder of the price that was paid. And so I'm going to invite you guys to come forward here in just a second. And communion is a thing for those of us who have accepted that gift that Jesus paid. Whether you call this place your home or not, we don't care about that. But what we do care is that you've made that commitment. Okay? We're going to ask that you come down the center aisles and, and leave going out the, the exteriors. But as you take it, take it back to your seat. Think about that. Think about the price that was paid. You know? It, it, it's a big deal, guys. It ought to transform the way we think. It ought to transform the way we walk. Ultimately, it ought to transform the way we look and talk to other people. So why don't you come forward? We're going to spend some time reflect on, on what God has done for us. And then we'll take communion together. There's just one more thing I wanted to share with you guys today. And it was interesting when I was prepping for today. You ever, you ever get to that spot where you're, you're trying to find a verse? Like, you're like, I know it's in there. I've, I've heard it. I've seen it. Like, I've read this. I know it's in there. But you just can't find it. My Lutheran background kicked in. <laughs> for those of you who grew up Calvinistic, this is your day. Because it wasn't a verse. It was a collection of verses. And it just really spoke to kind of what we've been talking about all morning. And it's from the Heidelberg Catechism, right? Too bad Tony would also quest. He would love this moment. <laughs> Question one of the Heidelberg Catechism, for you that don't know, it says, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And Luther's response is phenomenal. So good. It says that I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the power of, of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Oh, you guys, I just, I so loved what was shared this morning. I so, um, it just, it stirred up within me to ask you guys, um, just to ask yourselves that question, to just take a minute and consider. I think we can see people up here, um, who share so beautifully and share with just such poise and grace and think, that's not me. I can't do that. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't have, um, you know, I don't have everything put together. I don't have, you know, all the lovely words to say, but 
God just asks you to lean over and talk with your neighbor about what God's doing in you. Um, I know that he's stirring something up in each and every one of you, and it doesn't have to have a pretty bow on it. Uh, so many times I ask myself the same question, like, I don't know what I'm doing, God. I don't have all of the answers that people might need. I don't have all of the tools that people might need. But God just asks you to be faithful with what he's put in your hands. Um, And so this morning, I'm going to pray that God would stir up courage in each and every one of us and that he would show you even just that one person that he has for you to share with. So God, I thank you so much that you don't call the equipped. You don't call people who already know what they're doing. You call each and every one of us. You call each of us sitting right here at the Edge Church in Matea Valley High School. You call us, and God, I ask that you would give us, by your Holy Spirit, that you would give us the courage to say yes to what you have for us, that you would give us the courage to share whatever it is that you're stirring up in us. And God, um, I know that you are doing a work. I know that you're doing a work in each and every person here. And I thank you that you get the glory every time we open our mouths, every time that we respond in obedience to you, that you do something amazing. So God, I'm just looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that courage rising up in me and in each of my brothers and sisters in this week to come. Thank you, God.